Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by multifaceted broadcast talent and entrepreneur, one of the most well-connected guys in the sport, Alan Hawkins Jr. We'll be talking about Alan's journey through the world of sports and entertainment, uh, from movies, sideline reporting, to working with Power 5 Schools and U.S. Soccer as a mental performance consultant. Um, we're going to be touching on it all. Alan is someone that I've been, you know, been fortunate enough to know for quite some time, and you know, we've developed a relationship. So I'm personally excited for this for this show. And Alan, how you got? How how you doing today? Man, I just appreciate you guys. Thank you guys. Uh, first time, long time, for real. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this is going to be one of those moments where I'll be down driving down the one, right? And uh, listening to the podcast uh, on the radio or the Bluetooth in the car. So no, I appreciate you guys. And, um, you know, just happy to be part of the conversation. You guys always make me laugh. I learn a lot and I'm, I'm hopeful to contribute to the body of knowledge, no doubt. No, that's what it's all about. Thanks for checking us out too, man. Appreciate yeah. it. So it's only right we had you ha- had to have you on. You know how we start? Two truths and a cap. Um, I'm still I'm still behind, so uh, I'm, I'm hoping you can help me out a little bit uh, for this one. Okay. Um, you know, I, so we just we're just gonna jump right into it, right? Yeah, so um, yeah. So um, David Beckham once told me that he liked my style. Okay. Okay. Um, Fabio Capello once snubbed a U.S. soccer official to have a conversation with me. Okay. In Russia, in Krasnodar, probably the only black guy to ever be there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And arguably the best goal ever scored uh, in my college's history uh, was scored off my beautiful left foot. Oh, okay. You did work with LA Galaxy. I remember that during those years. Mm. Uh, Fabio Capello, though. In How Russia? are those? Were those pretty good? Are those pretty those good? Those are pretty good. Okay. 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 I know okay. you were a baller, but I don't know if he was left footed. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm gonna go with the goal. I think the other two were like super specific, like too specific yeah, to be right? a lie. So I'm gonna go with the goal. Uh, Capello, what was Capello doing in Russia though? Because he wasn't, co- was he the coach? Uh, I'm going Capello's a lie. Yeah, I think it was somewhere else. I think it happened, but I think it was someone else because you were specific about it being in Russia. I think it was somewhere else. So that's that's the lie for me. But he gave the city in Russia, though. Like, yeah, true. Ah, oh, you're right. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't, don't want to sway you, though. L, Is man, it too late to know. change? No, I don't know. Yeah. It's your game. It's your game. L, right, I'm it's your game. It. I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking L, with it. L got me on the, um, man, you got me on my process. <laughs> it was too specific. It was too specific, wasn't it? It that's was too specific. It, so, But do you remember who used to coach the Russian national team? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, no, I mean, is this where I get a, I give a little bit of insight in, into those truths? Is that is that yeah. kind of, is that the good way to, you know, look, um, Moby, you're right on. I was, um, when I was at ESPN, I got to basically be David Beckham's guy. You know, I was the guy with the mic flag. And um, we had a couple of fun encounters, uh, a couple of good trips with the team traveling around. I mean, that was rock star status. 
it really was. And being on the inside and just grateful for the Galaxy organization at that time and my ESPN producers who just really kind of charged me as being the David Beckham expert. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, he gave me a wink and a nod one time. It was like, okay, I see you. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, like, okay, I feel you, you know, basically I was wearing the same t-shirt and jeans that I wear anyway, <laughs> you know, it's been my, yeah. it's been my stand. Anyone who knows me, I wear a very monochrome, you know, my grays, my silvers, uh, you know, the same style. Yeah. And, you know, um, look, really props and respect to Jurgen Klinsmann for giving me an opportunity to be part of his team. And, you know, we had a really good run um, when we were together in 12, 13, right into 14, we won a lot of games. Um, and that trip was such a fun trip. Um, got so many great memories of, you know, first, you know, never going to Russia, you know, never been to Russia and going to a place that was near the Black Sea was something that you don't ever forget. And, you know, I remember going with our videographer, Alejandro Becker, to look for a backpack for Hercules Gomez. I wonder if Herc remembers this story. He sent us to this mall. And real quick, I mean, look, Moby, I appreciate you scheduling because tomorrow night and last night I would have had a problem because of the Lakers. But that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> but I remember only reason I bring it up is because we're in the middle of this mall and this dude like is like you guys are American. He ends up being from Glendale like California, like it's the craziest thing. And we ended up getting just a random, to just game. randomly, just randomly. He, he was like, those two dudes aren't from here. Yeah. And I think they're from SoCal. Like he was very specific as I learned later. So, but anyway, you know, um, Jurgen gave me a great opportunity to be myself. Um, and he empowered me, um, to do a lot of things, just be a good dude. Um, be a part of the team, be a good glue person, be loyal, be trustworthy, of course, all those things along the way. And, you know, going on that trip and getting to a place where you start really understanding how the team works. And then you start to, to have those really cool interactions with other Federation people, with other coaches. And, um, you know, my, I love, you know, Italian nineties, how I really, really like my heart fell for the game. Uh Like I was playing the game. Uh, Mexico 86 was like my first like glimpses of it. I was born in Berlin, Germany. So that's like my real, you know, I got that. I'm an army brat. Uh, you know, I, I proudly, and I appreciate you recognizing the junior, uh, you know, my old man was just an incredible dude. Uh, OG it guy in the military. Uh, I, we moved around every six months, every 18 months. I had the classic sort of military upbringing and I'm just thankful for it because it really did allow me to swim in all these different waters that's paved the way for what I'm doing now. But, you know, Jurgen just gave me a chance to be myself and to see myself outside of what I was doing. Um, and you know, I, I'm, man, I, I'm a defender Moby. Like I see the game in front of me. My two oldest kids are, are defenders. My youngest, who's the most talented, isn't. She scores bangers. Thank <laughs> the Lord. It's a lot more fun going to the youth games. Hey, L, it's a lot more fun going to the youth games, right, with the striker. You know, you're dropping <laughs> off the star striker. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a different vibe. Your kid plays in the back. You got to listen to all the chatter. You got to wear your earbuds. All you know the goals I mean? are their fault. All yeah. the goals are their fault. Like, people stress that the ball gets in their own half. So I like showing up with my youngest Sienna because I'm like, she might do something crazy today. You know what I mean? And I just 
we get an ice cream after, like it's all love, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. but, but I say all that because the Italian way, the defensive way is the way I just see the game. And, you know, so I just came, you know, I, I connected with one of the guys in the federation and I kind of hit him with my fan, my fanboy. I'm like, dude, no, like Italian soccer, like how you guys defend. So anyway, he got word to Fabio, man. And before the game, man, we just, we had a moment. He shook my hand. We chatted. I asked him probably like a hundred questions in like a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he probably was like, yeah, dude, I, you know, like, you know, relax. But so, no, I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, look, I went to Westmont College. Um, I'm not left footed. So, Moby, you were on it. You definitely oh, were on it. You know, and, and ironically, the best goal I ever scored was an own goal. But that's a whole nother story. <laughs> so so let, let's talk about it because obviously yeah, soccer's taking you all around the world. But before that, you had, you know, an army upbringing. Uh, yep. You mentioned being born in Germany. Obviously, United States has a lot of uh, German-born Americans that are played for the national team. Yeah. But when did you fall in love with soccer? Man, that's a great question. Um, you know, like, the, I guess – you know, there's a couple moments that I really think of actually. When, when, if we're if we're going to get into it real quick, um, you remember, like, I'm old and young enough. Like, I have a crazy dob because, like, I remember old stuff, but I can play with all the new stuff, right? And you know, my parents they sell in the Roar, Colorado, and I just remember um, my club coach was like, "You got to, you know, watch the World Cup." And I'm like, well, how do you watch it, right? <laughs> like, how do you watch it? Like, I don't know. Like, we had eight channels. And at my grandma's house in rural Mississippi, like, when I went down there in the summers with my hair all braided, you know, like, you, a, a, a cousin or a nephew or a grandchild could be the person making the foil activate right on the rabbit ears so you can get the clear TV so she could watch uh, <laughs> Guiding Light in the afternoon. Like that's, you know what I mean? And, and her soaps and her shows. So, um, and it was watching Rai, R-A-I, you know, Rai television. Like- Oh, that was before my time. <laughs> man, like it was, so PBS in Denver, this is, I'm getting deep in the weeds. PBS Denver had like a block where they showed Italian television programming, television oh, from God. Italy. And during 86, they just were riding hard World Cup. Duh. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what we do. And yeah. Seeing those games, I was like, oh, oh. Um, and then I started getting really curious. And then I, the next year, I got a British um, club coach. And it opened my eyes. Like I, It was the first time I saw black footballers were West Ham, Arsenal. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, like, oh. You know, like the light bulb goes on, right? Yeah. Um, and then I just... From there, I, I got the, man, I got the good straw. I've always had good coaching. Yeah. I've always had like all the coaches in my tree, Hall of Famers, legends. I just got blessed. And coming up in Denver, Lauren Donaldson, Dave Durr, Bruce Brown. Those are my coaches, my club and high school coaches. So I was learning um, a lot. And then, you know, playing in Santa Barbara, you know, the thing that I learned the most was actually playing men's league on Sundays. <laughs> you know, playing now, those man, real men, those men's real league games. Is different in SoCal. Men's league is different in SoCal. It's a whole it other was level. so serious. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're playing like 
very good small college ball in Santa Barbara and you're loving it. I had a great club club coach and, or excuse me, um, you know, college coach and Dave Wolf. I mean, it was, it's a real environment to this mm-hmm. day. You know, it's the epicenter in central coast for players, Rudy Ibarra, his son, Marco, uh, Roro, you know, Roro, yeah. um, Alcarez, Richie, Johnny, like, it's like a whole different thing. I mean, so it's funny because I have this chameleon upbringing living in Missouri, New Jersey, Alabama, Alaska. But when I really started forming my opinion about the game, it was born on like the Latin style, like the German sort of pragmatic organization. Like I love how the Italians are like, we got our one, we're good. You know, like, you know, that whole stuff. And, and I just was curious, like my parents just made me a curious person. So, you know, my dad never gave me any answers, which made me mad at the time. And uh, he just told me where to go fish, man. Like, hey, this is how you figure it out. So that experience really allowed me to play in all these different places in soccer. And I just love the game. You know, yeah, like I, I, do, I do real estate development day to day um, and I love it. But the game, man, like that's the thing that I just always have resonated to. And I still sort of pivot around for sure. I've been blessed. So you mentioned, you mentioned like, you know, all these different cultures that helped impacted your view on the game and then, you know, being exposed to, you know, the black players for West Ham and Arsenal, you know, obviously they are overseas at the time, but within you growing up, uh, and I definitely want to ask, like, were you like the only black person? And then now that you have your own kids playing soccer, how has that changed over time, you know, from the standpoint of like, are there more of us in the game um, based on what you're seeing? Wow, you guys come in with the. I wasn't ready for the Oprah stuff, dude. You know, you're gonna get me all in my. In my in hey, honestly, hey, though, um, we almost fifty episodes in, man. We uh, we we improving. See, hey, I think about this stuff, mm-hmm. and 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 you know this, and this is probably why you're going that way, too. Is I think about this a lot, having my kids, my oldest Sydney, University of San Diego, playing in the WCC. Little props to Santa Clara for bringing it to the West Coast. Uh, so she's playing in a championship conference. Um, I'm proud of that kid, you know, only black player on the team. Um, only one other teammate kneeled with her this year. Or, you know, only yeah. one other teammate kneeled with her this year throughout the course of the year. Um, and I'm not going to say, but that kid and her family, she's not a kid. She's a beautiful person. Um, not too far from me here in uh, Northwest LA. Like they know my love for her and her family. Um, And, you know, so I think about that. And I had a really good conversation with Danielle Slayton about this. Um, I guess another Santa Clara shout out. Um, I love Danielle. She's real people. We worked Olympics together back in 2012. Uh, She's good people. We work together closely on score. Um, We have our Thursday calls and and we were just talking through it one day, or basically what happens, and Amobi knows this, L. I just, I just ping people with text messages. And it could be <laughs> benign. It could be benign, like, oh, it's so dope today. Or be awesome because you are. Or it'll be like the most controversial <laughs> thing you could ever think of. And there's no rhyme or reason, right, Amobi? There's no yeah, – you're I'm, non-sequiturs. You might, you, you might need to get Telegram because sometimes – Man, like for like, real, like people like, are probably like, what is he talking about? Like, <laughs> you know, um, but I tell people I sleep little and I run a lot. So I'm always in my head um, and I'm finally comfortable in my own skin. But um, 
what I equated to in my daughter Sydney's situation, and you know, fellas, she's 4.0. She's going to graduate in three years. She got named captain of the team. She's 19 years of age. She graduated high school early. She's one of those kids. She's special. She's fire. And what I told Danielle was this. And the juxtaposition I gave her was a real youth soccer game, rec game. A kid gets hurt. What does everyone do? What do the players do? They take a knee to show empathy and to give pause to that person that's hurting. Right? They took a ball Mm -hmm. to the face. That sucks. And when you're a little kid, you're five or six, you ain't really seen those stars before. You don't know what's happening, right? You know, we've all been there. We've all been there. And you do that because there's a spirit, a community, a fellowship in that moment. You're a gladiator. You're in the arena. You took an, you got it. We're kneeling with you. Referee comes over. They wave on the coach. I've been there. You know what I mean? Like, Facts. I was coach of the year in SoCal. Like, you know, like I know I'm talking like real experience. And I say that because that's what my daughter was going through for the last year. And my mm-hmm. daughter, Sydney, I've been taken into protest since she was like 12. She's like that, about that life. You know what I mean? So, you know, she just always, she's, I love how she just really has empowered herself. But I, I say like my daughter was hurting. All black players were hurting. And to have teams not show empathy and you, you, um, you sort of ubiquitous, unanimous, like I'm hurting with you, that hurt for me, you know, because my kid's young, you know, she's my kid. You know, my son, Santiago, um, he's come up through the U.S. Development Academy, ECNL, you know, he's won all the different patches you got to wear right now to be an elite soccer player. Um, Gonna play at Cal, Boo, Amobi uh, yeah. in the fall. <laughs> I, I, I can't say nothing me. right now. You I'm that dad though. I'm that dad though. Like I'm like that Richard Williams on that part. Like you know, like tell me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Tell me I've been wrong about my kids, and I feel that way. And I've learned to advocate for my kids because some people are uncomfortable with what I. I'm not the normal parent. I'm not a normal parent. Like you know. I'll judge you on your training session in a second and break it down and audit it like I'm giving you a, an A license with Dave Chesler and Carlos Juarez back in the day. Like, you want me to do that? I can do that. Do you want me to be called the assessor? You know what I mean? Like, like I'm not the normal parent. But the problem is, is like people don't know. Like, I live to serve. I love the game. Game's giving me everything. Um, but, you know, to, to, to come back to your prompt, which is such a good one, and my youngest, Sienna, who I mentioned – you know, there's just still not that many black kids. There aren't. And what I realized is that when I felt like I had a lot of black people on the team, you know, there was like three or four of us. Right. But then I also kind of look at like a team like the Columbus crew. Right. I'm like, that is a black team. That is, that's a dark team. And I'm sure by numbers, that's the metric. That's the KPI. So seeing where the league has come from the top, Like, I'm hopeful, right, you know, that the black player um, will continue to emerge. But in reality, in college, if you look at the in, you know, being on the board of trustees and my alma mater, Westmont College, I got to see like the real numbers. What's what's higher education for blacks? Two percent, three percent at any university. You know what I mean? Two to three percent at a at a at a a, um, uh, PDW as opposed to an HBCU, obviously. So. You know, when you think about 
the black player in college soccer, men's division one, I think they're fourth. Um, it's according to the NCAA, it is white. It is, um, you know, Latino, non-resident alien, and then black. Right. And, and you, okay, that's what it is. So, you know, I, I just, what, what I really hope to change is, you know, as you know, representation and, and decision-making, cause that's the thing that's the most important. But, you know, when I think about my own journey and, and seeing it through my kids, kids lens is like, I, I'm curious sometimes about what they think about that. Yeah. I do. I really, really am. Luckily, um, what was really helpful for my own, my oldest daughter, Sydney, along the way is that when she was coming up through the national team, the training centers and in the pool and stuff like that, back in the day, ODP, you know, it was an aggregate of all the good black players, Latino players and SoCal. Mm-hmm. So you get to play with different players. You know what I mean? Like the me officials at your spot, UCLA, that's one of my daughter's oldest friends and, 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 and OGs in the game. So, you know, that's always good to see. And then, you know, the, the irony is this is, you know, my son's going to Cal. Um, he plays with two other black kids. One's going to UCD Davis up by your way. Yeah. And the other one's going to Cal with him. So when, I mean, what am I, you know, there's nothing to be mad about. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're going to great spots and they're going to have an opportunity to grow and and use the tools that the game gives you um, along the way. But, you know, I I, the thing that really um, that I really tried to do just cruising around SoCal is just, you know, if I see a black coach, a black administrator, whatever, I make sure I give a nod, a pound, some love if I know him, things like that, because that's the place where nothing has changed. And and that's the place where I really want to see. more of that representation, um, along the way. But, you know, my kids are also LA kids. They didn't have to move around. That's true. So, so yeah, so their, their sense of themselves is very much kind of rooted in, they're just native Californians, man. You know, they, they love the Lakers. They think they win all the time. They got swag, you know, they think Hollywood's cool, you know, vintage Supreme. Yeah. You you, you brought up, you brought up representation and, um, yeah, Obviously, you know, that's something that, you know, we're going to get into later, you know, everything that you're doing behind the scenes and on the front lines. But looking at your resume and your experiences getting into the sports and business and entertainment space, how how was it for you? Like, how did you get from, you know, finishing college and then getting into the opportunity that you have had thus far? You know, what I've learned is you need advocates and you need heroes. And as I start to really look at the legacy I I'm trying to live every day and to impart, I think about the people that really helped me and it's the Siggy Schmitz. It's the Jurgen Klinsmann's it's the Dave Wolf's and Doug Hamilton. I, I appreciate those guys. And my goal is to be that person. They were to me, to other people that just so happen to look like me. Right. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are like, Oh, you know, playing soccer is what you do. It's not who you are. Broadcasting is what you do. It's not who you are. And this is what I tell my, my, my college football prospects is like, you have to get comfortable being who you are. And at the end of the day, like how the world sees you is not how you see yourself almost every single time and mm-hmm. trying to get them to, to, to believe it and embody it. And, um, I, I just, I've just grown in confidence, you know, because of those people, because they've given me unique opportunities. And what I've learned is, and you guys know this, like no one's giving anyone anything. 
right? You want a job in MLS in the front office, there's 27 front offices, go get it. And you got to be about that life. Now, do you think sometimes, uh, you know, it's hard to, to get the opportunity to have the conversations? Absolutely. One million percent. But, you know, a part of me always, and, and maybe it's some naivete to be really honest and vulnerable. It's like, I just feel like soccer people at the end of the day are still looking to play with the best six dudes in a 7v7 competition and training, right? Mm-hmm. Like they trying to win the day. You know, they wanted, especially now you get to take the picture. It's cool. Like I, I would love to be playing now because you win the 7v7 on a Tuesday on a hard day. You get to send the picture on the gram. Like we won today. Everyone's hyped. And you know what those games are like. I, those are the games you miss. Uh-huh. Honestly, like sometimes like where where people's legacy are cemented. Like sometimes you think like I think fans are so funny to me because I mean, it's it's you guys are playing. People are playing. It's it's chess, not checkers. But fans, we see it as checkers. But when you're in it, it's so complicated. It's algorithms. It's chess. It's like you're thinking 10, 12 moves ahead. Even when you think your club isn't and your manager isn't, trust me, they are. And that's where fans need to just like take a deep breath and understand that like even the worst Premier League manager or MLS coach or is still an MLS coach <laughs> or a first team manager in the Premier League, like, you know, you can have your opinions about how effective people are, whatever. But I think there should be more default respect for that stuff to know how difficult it is. It's really, really hard. And, you know, I think what people need to to do is see themselves how they want to be. And when I think about representation and opportunity and things like that, I think about just an opportunity to be great Mm -hmm. um, along the way. And I just really had a really narrow focus and, you know, it's part assimilation. It's part, you know, talking code. It's, 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 you know, you know, we're on the couch now, so I'm just going to be honest. Like we are, our dexterity in our mobility, I think, as as black men and black women is just phenomenal. I just really do. And the one thing that's happened over the the last year, so we're coming up on George Floyd um, anniversary as we as we get together and and record this, it's like, okay, I think about my own personal journey. I was sleeping last year. I was happy kind of just going on. And then I realized like, I'm pretty far away from what I want to do, which is, which is run a team and be involved in those decisions again. And the idea that someone's not capable because of, you know, what they look like is still kind of incredulous. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's so real. It is so real. Um, and what I've just tried to do is, is understand like my own value, my own worth, and 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 make sure my intent is known and hope that people still want to have the best people. But I think about what something, uh, you know, to beat DeMarcus Beasley said, who's a part of score I've gotten to know is like, you know, sometimes people feel threatened. And, and, and I and I say this humbly is like maybe that's, that's right. how some people have seen me, seen me. But I'm not that way. Like, I'm really not. I understand, you know, it's called an 11. It's called an 18. It's called a roster. There's roles for everyone and any championship organization. Um, and I learned this from like, you know, the, the experience that have served me well has been outside of the game in the last five to eight years. Like you go, you go in that building in Tuscaloosa and you have to 
shake Nick Saban's hand and you got to tell him how you're going to talk to your team and what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. And you, you have to make sure he understands who you are and what you're about. And, and, and you still sort of get that door open for you. Like it gives you confidence. It does. And you see things differently. You see how, wow, that's how people manage people. That's how you are in this room. That's how you affect the whole building, you know? And, you know, so I'm, I'm thankful for those opportunities, but it always comes back to the game. (laughs) I try to leave the game L in a movie and it brings me back. And now I'm finally comfortable, (laughs) you know, like, this is what I want to do. I'm in that space. I think my time is coming. I got some exciting things coming and, and, um, you know, patience is a companion of wisdom. Fact. So if you're going to be wise, then you have to exercise those things. So, you know, I, I've had such a, a miraculous journey in the game and I know how I want the next act to play out more, not the chapter, but the actual act. And I'm OK. I'm OK for that. I so am. for the for the young black individual, like, what's one piece of advice, you know, if they want to break into like that sports entertainment industry? So you really have to say this is what you're about. And I, I heard this from. I had this amazing speech coach. I do want to shout him out. Arthur Joseph. Uh, When I was at the height of my game at ESPN, um, this guy, Arthur Joseph um, in LA, he's the guy. Like he, he works with like, just, he helps you get your voice right. And he helped me Mm -hmm. understand that like, it's not just your voice. It's how you're embodying your spirit, what you're doing, how you're doing it. Right. How are you communicating who you are? And there were a lot of techniques like, you know, I'm like, oh, this is why opera singers sing this way. Like this is how Luther sings his way. You know, I'm trying to sound like Maxwell, too. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm trying to just come across like, wow, like I can't believe this cat, you know, just when I'm just saying hello in the morning. Um, But, you know, I say all that and he's around a lot of Hall of Famers. He does a lot of work working with athletes doing their Hall of Fame speeches. Okay. And, and being around these hall of famers, I was like, dude, these dudes are different. And I'm talking about like NFL hall of famers, like top dudes, like the guys in their position, best ever. You can fill in the blanks, special players. And I'm like, man, these dudes operate differently. And what I realized is that in that circle of hall of famers, there's people that are even, even more about it. And, 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 you know, my kid, my son, Santiago, like we came up Kobe together, you know what I mean? And, and Kobe's legacy, that mentality and that mindset. And, and I would tell the young black person, entrepreneur, whatever, is like cultivate, curate your own mindset, right? Like, what is it that makes you, you? And, um, I recently heard this from a, uh, you know, a, 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 a great person in the league office is like, you know, don't sell, tell. Like, mm-hmm. like you need to really be on it and about it. And I would say that to anyone, you know, I, I, I teach a, in a part of a senior seminar class at my, at my alma mater and it, and helping them transition as seniors into the workplace, interviews, CV, resume writing, like the rote stuff. And it's about not sounding like me or you're ready for broadcast television. It's all about answering who you are and also understanding the audience. People are busy. Like people don't like hiring people sometimes. So, you know, I think mentoring is important. You got to have heroes. I mentioned my heroes earlier by name. You got to have people yeah. like that. You really do. And I think if you do, you have a great opportunity 
to to live out your dreams. But I, I think you really got to be about it. Like you, if you're an athlete, don't ever forget what that's like. Don't ever let that drive go. Um, if you're an early riser, a late grinder, whatever it is, those attributes and characteristics are the things that people remember. And then the last thing I would say is like have a real skill set. Because some people, it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day in kind of preparation of this is like, I heard an MLS coach recently tell a, 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 a person I've mentored for a long time in the performance space that they didn't like Swiss army knives. They like a specific tool. Right. Mm -hmm. And my first response was like, I get it. Right. I get it. I need someone to do a certain role and aspect. But then when I started thinking, I'm like, isn't life sort of more Swiss army knife and liberal arts if you're really going to be empowered and happy and joyous? Like to me, it's like, so are you not a coach, a father, a husband, a son, a brother, a teammate? Like how many fingers am I counting? I feel like I'm like my six year old nephew. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like life is Swiss army. If you're going to be happy about it. And if it's going to be your thing now, I've also met some coaches and that's why I love soccer because there's some people who are like, I'm about that life. Don't bother me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love, man, those are some of my favorite coaches, right? Like, like, no, nah, I don't really have a family. No, like I just consume the game and you, you know who they are instantly. And I'm okay with that because it's almost like a choice they've made. So I, I think there's always that position of people don't know what your value is or what you do. And you have to be ready to say that all the time. And, you know, that was the ESPN life I lived. You know, you had to be ready to say what shows you're on, what KPIs you were hitting back before they were KPIs, when they were like programming notes. Yeah. Like people wanted to know that stuff. And, and I think those are all sort of important things that I, I, I think are important for, for anyone that's up and coming, um, you know, that they want to maybe hang on and, and think about deeper. Perfect. So changing gears real quick. Yes. Say you get back into broadcasting. Fox yes. Soccer, NBC, ESPN, they all hit you up with the same offer proposal. Who are you choosing? The same offer. So look at you, look at you, man. You, you boxed me in like everything on the term sheet's the same. Term sheet's the same. Okay, okay, dang. So you're smart. You're going to keep me uh, pinned <laughs> in on this. Uh, you're not going to let nice. me out. Yeah. So, I mean, ESPN still to this day was the place where it felt like I made it. Mm -hmm. It did. It did. And, and, but Fox also felt like I made it and doing <laughs> the NBC Olympics also felt like I made it. But you know, if you're going to do any games right now, like if, if, if someone was like, Alan, we want you to work as many games. And I was on like that Mike Tirico love, right. Where they're just like, Hey, then, you know, name your deal, how many games you want to work. You know, I feel like, ESPN has got more games, you know, I do. And, you know, yeah, I guess Fox is back or, you know, who's got the world cup package. Like I don't even, yeah, I used to be so deep in that stuff. I forget where the rights are, but I know Fox uh, has got the next Fox one. Has it, the next yeah, one Fox has the next one. But CBS so, is trying to come out of nowhere yeah, and like, it's exactly. going to be interesting. It's going to be an arms so, race. Yeah, it is going to be an arms race, but you know, I think it felt so big at ESPN. Um, but I got to tell you, and I'm not trying to bail on this answer. The cool thing about deep soccer production, they were good producers. Cause so, so the real, what makes a great broadcast is a good producer. 
is a great producer and great director, yeah. like out the jump. If your talent is good, then you're laughing. You're having good meals before the game. You're having the, huh. you're having a couple of nightcap after, you know, you've arrived. Like you're working with big time people. And it never felt like that marriage was as good at ESPN, but man, I've worked so many games with just other people that you would just be like, wow, that person's really good. They run a good truck. They run a good show. They know the sport. They know the drama. They're not trying to force it in. So I definitely appreciate that. But, you know, definitely ESPN is still feels like the gold standard. But, man, you'd have to say how many games I'm working because, you know, NBC just got like a couple (laughs) games here and there. But those Olympics coming up is going to be fun, though. But it's a good question. It's a good question. like Charles Barkley said, he said he don't want he don't want to live that ESPN life. They got Stephen A. working like a dog. <laughs> hey, hey, that is. <laughs> you know what? Actually, now that you said that, that is facts. Like they are all about. They like to compensate you. Uh, hey, you're but you're working, man. Like yeah. I used to go do all these ESPN news hits at this studio in LA, um, actually right off of Robertson, like West LA, like some just deep LA stuff, uh, Culver city area, kind of more actually like palms, but man, you know, they're like, Oh, you got to comment on this. I was like, okay. And I'm like, you know, I live in the Valley, right? Like it's (laughs) (laughs) like, there's going to be traffic, but they're like, we got the window, we got the satellite time. So yeah. But I never felt like, I was in it more than working every day. So that's yeah, like, yeah. that's the rub, you know? So, yeah. And to uh, speak on your point about producers, I want a quick moment. Shout out to Scott Riddell. I, I think you know him as well. You know, yes. one of the best soccer producers in the game. I was uh, thinking of him, you know, Ken Neal, um, like, uh, you know, Mike Foss, like there's like a, but Chris Alexopoulos, like there was some guys in Shaw Brown. Like if oh, you yeah, were, Shaw Brown's one of the- yeah, you know, if you're in the room with them, even if you're doing, sideline reporting you know it's a small piece they make you feel like what you have to say your contribution with that whole process is important and i always mm-hmm. appreciated that because there there are shows and programs where you know i worked a lot of college basketball i locked worked a lot of other events espn and some guys were like i don't care yeah you could you you could be breaking the story of the year you're like interrupting my show my game you know mm-hmm. and People are competitive like that, you know, and 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 that's how it is. But no, those there's some really good people, and I appreciate you mentioned Scott because Scott's definitely one of those OGs and someone I, I think about often as someone who gets it, and definitely the game is good when he's around it for sure. So you've witnessed a lot of iconic sports moments. If you were to make like your own like, you know, top ten like is uh-huh. your is your catalog, what you going with? Wow, that's a good one. Like, and it's like just like kind of special to me like random stuff in a way yeah, or like, so like for example, like, so, so let me give you like an example and you tell me if that's like, if this is kind of what you're thinking about is so a top 10 moment for me is U S Algeria in South Africa and Pretoria. I was there, but here's the thing. I watched that game in an empty uh, suite with Artin Wenger. <laughs> He was working for Canal Plus, the French broadcaster. And yeah, we, so, we lucky got to make this like the name drop podcast because you've been naming so many people. It's so, it's so connected. It's so connected. Connected and respected. So, man, like, so that was like a personal, like, highlight. Like, you know, like, 
I'm there chopping it up because I was, I was like the, there was four of us at, on the ESPN team that covered that team. Okay. I was Jeremy Shapps, um, bullpen guy. Jeremy's amazing people. I love Jeremy, but he's like, you know, I got a den full of Emmys. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like he's, he's such a good dude. His father, Dick, you know what I mean? Like, Jeremy's just good people, man. You guys would like him. He's a good dude. And he's the guy at ESPN. So, you know, it's like being the backup quarterback. Like, you get your reps when you get them, and you just got to not throw an interception on scout team, and <laughs> you'll get more reps. Like, it's like it's that kind of vibe. Um, and every once in a while, you make a bad read, and they're like, man, well, you haven't been paying attention in hours. Like, no, I haven't. I haven't done anything in 30 minutes. So, but well, anyway. Let's go, let's, go, let's go from the sidelines then. They're like 10 – yeah. Top 10 from the sidelines yeah. like on the call. So that, yeah. So that's a good one. Um, gosh, I would. Um, and we could bring it down to five if you want. No, you know, let's do five for sure. You okay. know, Twelman's yeah. bike in the Eastern conference final okay. um, against Chicago. Cause I had the perfect like Pele victory angle. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah. I think he's going to bike it. Oh, he's biking it. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, that's going in before anyone else. So that was a great one. Um, Brad Evans, Jamaica World Cup qualifying. Um, I always talk about World Cup qualifying uh, when I talk to teams about understanding who you are and your value and being ready. I think about the hex 10 games. And I can tell you in the World Cup qualifying cycle in 2014, being a part of Jurgen's staff, there were eight heroes in those 10 games eight heroes and Brad Evans with that day was the game in Jamaica. And that stadium was like electric. They had a DJ like on this trolley thing that was going around. And boom, boom, boom. It was the, it was like the craziest atmosphere. So I definitely remember that one. Um, mixed death, this same cycle, mixed discarude scored that late goal in Panama that knocked uh, Mexico out. Remember that game? That was a crazy, crazy game because I'd never seen a stadium like, like turn on its ear in a second. And, and, and when you're kind of in those moments, you're like, Oh my gosh, like, did that really happen? Like your senses kind of go to different places. Um, which is like always just like such an amazing, um, feeling along the way. So, you know, those are the ones that jump out at me, um, along the way, um, that, that I kind of hang on to in terms of soccer. I got a couple other random basketball ones, but I certainly want to, you know, definitely keep it moving for sure. No, I respect. And you talked about, I know we talked offline about this uh, because there was a tweet earlier today. You talked about, you know, being part of the, you know, with the Cameroon national team in 2002. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, quick story. So I played college ball with a guy named Kai Habermeyer and he ended up being the rep for Puma. Oh. Um, Cause he's German for all of Africa. My college I teammate. See all of Africa. Like, That's I'm not crazy. even kidding you. It was crazy. And he's like my guy, you know, we played together. We won a lot together. We played in the back together. Um, you know, the whole, the whole bit, like he's married to his college sweetheart. was a classmate of mine, the whole thing. Right. So, um, this is funny how life works. So I've been working my way up at, at Fox sports world at the time for the really baby OGs. I'm coming up at Fox sports world. I'm sky sports correspondent. Um, the world cup comes up. And our executive producer says, 
hey, you're our guy. We're going to send you over there. You're our guy. I'm writing for dot com. You know, this is 2001, 2002. Yeah. So this is like like a great package. Right. They're going to send me over. I'm there for six weeks. And then two weeks before they go, oh, um, you're going to go to Japan. You're not going to cover the U.S. team in Korea. And I was mad. I was really, really mad about it and didn't really know how to respond. I didn't really have any leverage anyway, you know, but I was really disappointed because I felt like they took that is a, you know, that's a prime position to yeah. be the guy covering the U.S. team and they end up having that great run. I knew the guys from the U-17s, you know, uh, you know, bees and land, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I was a part, like, I was like, I had a little bit of juice that I was going to try to use and, 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 you know, all the resources going to Korea, South Korea, and nothing was going to uh, basically a one man band and it ended up being the best thing that ever happened. It ended up being the best yeah. thing that ever happened because I got to cover the entire tournament in Japan by myself. I made my own itinerary. I was like, I'm going to these games. And my buddy Kai was there as the rep for Cameroon. He's like, Hey man, like, let's do this. So I was embedded with the Cameroon national team for a week. Oh, that's amazing. And it was amazing. I mean, I got, I, I see across my room here, like I got my Roger Mila, you know, picture, like one of my proud moments because to bring it full circle, Italia 90, Italia yeah, 90, made, made that run. Italia 90 was that game. I get to chills. Cause I remember watching at the foot of my parents' bed. Cause we only had the one TV in our house. Cause my dad didn't want to have another TV anyone in his room. So, you know, when they weren't there, I got to watch TV and man, I can, I recall that game to this day and how it made me feel. It gives me goosebumps. So being around that team and, um, the cool, the cool story was watching, you remember the opening game of that tournament, France, Senegal, uh, yeah. right? I watched that game with the team in the team room, meal room. Right. And it ended up being like team dinner. You know, how these things, you, you, you know, how these team things guys go like it can be four or five hours out of your day, just being part of the team. Right. Yeah. And man, the emotion like in that room of like when Senegal won was like, Oh, we're going to win. Like it turned. Like I, I remember like riding down the elevator and then riding back up like four hours later, they were like, Oh, and just the vibe, you know, I mean, you're talking about Rigobert Song, um, Pierre Wome, um, Patrick Sufo gave me his jersey. He's one of my guys, a young 21-year-old Eto, 21. Like, I think he was at Mallorca, I think, even. Like, we didn't even, you know, we already know where he was going to be. Yeah. Um, um, so, you know, that was such a great experience because I felt like really, like, like part of their group, you know, like, and I'm like, I'm not African, <laughs> you know, Nigerian dude descended, but not through family, like, you're, you know, like yourself, which is a whole different. So, but yeah, that was such a great time. And, and so many other little, just fun little, but that was such a, if I would have gone to South Korea, I never would have had opportunity to be around the team and, and start what's been sort of the journey I'm on right now in terms of really kind of leaving a, a, a real important legacy in the game and, and for people like us in the game, for sure. Yeah, and that's a great segue to my next question because you talked about that opportunity where you kind of were able to do things, you know, solo and on your own. And then you've had the opportunity to be a columnist and, you know, do original programs. So what are some of those projects that you've, you know, found joy in and like brought excitement to you? 
those like original programs that you've done? Yeah, you know, on the on the production side, entertainment side, for sure. Um, I think about, you know, I was blessed to be one of the producers for the Goal trilogy um, on Disney, Goal, The Dream Begins. Um, that was a fun time for my family and I because you're part of a Disney movie trilogy and you're part of that whole car wash and the machinery there. I was working at ESPN at the time, so I thought so, I was so getting equity. Getting, you're, still getting you know, you're still getting them royalties. You're still getting them royalties now. You know, you know, th those checks have gone. And, you know, at the end, those checks are, like, not even worth the whole processing. But, you know, it's one of those things. <laughs> hey, like, I put can, away. If we can make a Space Jam remake. We can make a goal trilogy. Oh man, you, need to, man. you, need to make that you know what? That's such a good point. I should I should bring that back up. You know, yeah, but, you make know, that, that happen. But it's gonna be African American. Yeah, you know that's that's something. You know, you know that's interesting because, you know, when I think about, um, I talk to Mo Adu a lot. I'm really happy yeah. for his platform. It's really important for him. Um, I'm always in his ear. I'm blowing him up just like I was telling you guys earlier. I'm going to be doing the same to L too. You know, just you're just gonna get random shots just from the West Coast on random stuff. And you know, um I had no idea actually, this is how crazy. Um so not until Black History Month, this past one, did I realize I was the first lead black soccer broadcaster, like coming up. I had no idea. Um, and you know, like my family pointed it out, you know, they can Google me, whatever. And it's like, I never thought of it that way. I really, really never did. Cause I was just trying to do the job and do the work. Um, and you know, to me, it's like, there should be so many more, I guess, you know, along the way. And, and the analyst role is easy. I would like to see way more black play by play people. That's where, you know, when I was really doing a lot of that work, when I was, you know, getting mentored from like Gus Johnson and, and, you know, people in the game, you know, uh, Mike Wilbon, who recently got into the NBA hall of fame, like he's been the mentor to many people at ESPN, but he's someone who put his arm around me. Like, it's like, that's the part I'd really like to see, you know, I, I want to see that sort of next generation of people who are going to be creating content um along the way but the goal movies i'm very proud of you know i love my my my, my time the, the olympics is probably the thing that made my parents the most proud doing mm -hmm. the london olympics that was like a real my oh, dad was a hard yeah. yeah my dad was a hard military man you know what i mean a real hard military man yeah. um so uh i i definitely know that meant a lot to him and um i earned some really good battlefield promotions too during that tournament, which I felt like, you know, games that came my way that were kind of in the air that were sort of based on sort of, you know, it's like refereeing in a way, right. Mm -hmm. You know, in a tournament, you get more assignments as you do well, which as you should. So, um, I appreciate that time. The NBC machinery is like 30 rock is real. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they, they, they do that very well. Like that content, like you can say whatever you want to say, like what we're going to see this summer, pandemic or not people are going to forget like oh nbc oh they just can do a hundred thousand million hours of programming that looks perfect yeah. and that's what everyone's really trying to do in the in the in the essence in every show you're just trying to have a perfect show so but those are the things i'm proud of i would love to 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 continue to mentor i'd love to see a new generation of broadcasters come through um i think there are some black voices out there as well 
And it's going to be a matter of them reaching out to the network and, 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 you know, who knows who, who, who wants to be the next Sue Holden, uh, the next T- Taylor Twelman. Cause there's always those spots. Yeah. So it's just like someone's going to have that vision, just like I'm going to be a professional player. I'm going to be an owner. I'm going to be a president. So um, someone's got to have that dream. And if, you know, anyone's listening to this, they want to reach out, like, please do, you know, um, be more, <laughs> those are the kind of people that slide into my DMs, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, people, but I'm happy though, because those are the people that I definitely like to help the most for sure. So oh. I appreciate you asking. No, respect. I mean, 98% of people don't follow up. So you got Alan, like, is that really- the number? Is that's that the number? The, uh, well, if it isn't, I just made it up. But uh, you, you, <laughs> wow, you got. You well, got I mean, people, it, you're like you're, you're. I'm just the the point I'm trying to make is that you're. You know, you're. Saying, I'm trying to learn. No, I'm trying. Exactly. I'm not questioning. I'm like I was more incredulous. Like wow, like people really be dropping the ball. I didn't understand. Yeah, I'm saying. That, but, I'm saying like you're yeah. telling people to reach out. So this is I like am. an opportunity to definitely reach out if you have any questions. If you're looking for mentorship. If you're looking for a pathway, definitely. Um, definitely do that. I mean, we're going to definitely follow up. You're someone I talk to on a weekly basis already. Yeah, I'll be uh, reaching out for sure. But let, let's get back to the, how did, how did the gold trilogy come about? Cause obviously uh, yeah. you're, you're connected, but how did this one ha- happen? So I've been told this story in a minute, um, but it's really cool because um, Mike Jeffries, who's the executive producer is a Liverpool man, hard mm-hmm. Liverpool man. And this is back when, if you came to the States, you know how many ex-Brits are in LA. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's, it's like a whole, there's like two communities. There's like a, there's like the Hollywood ex-Brits um, and, and, you know, people just hard from England. And then there's like the West Side, Santa Monica, like people who don't ever really go down the 10. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And I used to navigate between those two groups. And there is a guy named Mike Jeffries, really shout out to him, another guy who just talked about following up. He was watching a Liverpool game that I was broadcasting from the studio and dude had Matt hustle. Cause I learned that he had a golden parachute because he had sold a publishing company in Australia. Okay. He had like the dopest spot L and a Moby in Hollywood. Like I'm talking like two infinity pools and like all the views, like the whole, when I first time I met him, I was like, this can't be real. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I'm still stay driving up this hill, you know what I mean? Like, where are we going? And so dude was living the life. He had the part and he was like, I have an idea for this movie. Can you make some introductions? And I kid you not, man. I was like, I'll open up the Rolodex or as my kids say, the paper wheel, (laughs) (laughs) right? The paper wheel. Like you really wrote it down and it was on a piece of paper. Like, and then what? Like, Oh yeah, it was on a wheel. Like for what? What if you didn't have the Rolodex? Like, I guess you didn't make the call, you know? So, but anyway, so he hit me up. He said, let's go for it, man. I just hit up my network. And this is like, honestly, this is like late twenties, early thirties, Alan. So I'm just like running around. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just like, I'm going to outwork the whole thing. Yeah. Not efficient. It's like, it's like a running form. Like, like he's fast, but man, he got his arms going like country Mm -hmm. fast like no technique, no refinement, <laughs> energy going everywhere, but down the lane. Right. And that's what I described my sort of early corporate years, but I knew I had the relationships and I knew I had the hustle. So I ended up calling a college friend of mine who was a mad hustler at Coke. He had like eight promotions in like five years. 
and he just was like hustling. He was like coming up, like fighting dudes for shell space and Pacoima and Silmar, like coming up in the coke game. So I said, Hey man, I have an soda, idea. Not the, not yeah, the yeah, exactly. Coca-Cola. Exactly. <laughs> and he was just a superstar. He's, he's, his name is Danny Stepper. He's a legend in the beverage industry. Like he's taken so many beverage companies from an idea to a real product. It's crazy. He's nuts. But I knew what he was about because we were college classmates and I knew we had hustle. And I said, Hey, I think we can go get some corporate money. Like go talk to your people at Coke. And man, we ended up putting together like this partnership deal with Adidas, Coca-Cola. Thank you very much, L. Um, Major League Soccer. And we said, we're going to br bring the marketing and partnership support. Uh, we had a Latino agency um, who came on board and we just were doing it, man. Like lunch at the Ivy, drinks at Trader Vic's. Like I was like, we were in it, man. And it was coming together. And the cool story I tell, there's two cool stories. One, the premiere in London was a life highlight. You know, the premiere in London, you know, um, was just an unbelievable thing. Um, I still remember it to this day. It was a, just a great fun trip, the whole bit. And then the other part is um, people who really, really know me know um, the mother of my kids used to be the head athletic trainer at UCLA. She's now a registered nurse. And I had those broadcasting hours, right? Kind of Hollywood hours. So I was raising my kids. I was morning shift, right? Um, so my two oldest kids are only, this is funny. They're only 18 months apart. My two oldest, Sydney and Santiago. Like, I mean, just chaos, man. Just two kids, just chaos every turn. But I, we didn't have any real daycare. But luckily, my daughter was crazy mad behaved. And my son didn't say anything. He just sucked his thumb. I'm calling him out right now. Um, <laughs> and he was just mad cute. That's what he did. He was mad cute. His name is Santiago. They call him Babyago. He would just sit for as long as he needed to. So I got to take him to these meetings with the goal producers because it was low key, right? And they kind of liked that I was a responsible adult, I think, too, as I learned later out of that group. You know, they were living the Hollywood life. You know what I mean? So, man. I used to bring my son around and he's like in the carrier still. And his name is Santiago. Well, the name of the character of the movie is Santiago. Yeah, Santiago Munez. And, and Mike Jeffries looked at my son and he was like, that's who the character is going to be. And um, so, you know, so that, that I, I think about that part of it, too. You know, that was a really cool, cool little add in. He gets embarrassed when I tell that story, because, you know, when you're 18, you know, you know, you got to keep your street cred, <laughs> whatever street cred you I'll get, you know, so, yeah. I know. Right. So. But, yeah, I think about that oftentimes and, you know, being involved in that. And then, you know, the second one real quick, um, you know, that's when everyone doubled down. Beckham came on board. Um, with that, we had the access to Real Madrid. And then that was a whole nother thing where you're at like training and you're like telling the cinematographer like, yeah, that's Raul. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. Like I'm trying to be professional, but I'm also like, look, I don't want to miss anything. And these dudes are real <laughs> Hollywood people. Like they don't really care. You know, yeah. they shoot like in Gibraltar, like cool stuff. Right. I'm like, can we have this meeting in 20 minutes? Cause we're at Old Trafford and we should just be like taking this in. So, uh, but yeah, man, I think about that often. It was a lot of fun and you're right, man. We should, we should definitely, um, you know, 
20-year anniversary. What do you think, man? We should we should bring it back. I think 2003 is a release. We you know, updated some. Updated some. I think it's a good call. I, I, I know a couple people that uh, that can help with that. You know, I like that. I like that. I think that's a real conversation that needs to be had for sure. For sure. So since then, you've started a production com- a company and you've done more documentaries. Can you touch touch on that a little bit as well? Yeah. yeah. So you know, um, and thank you for that. You know the. You know, we did a movie at South by Southwest, won a couple of awards called Accidental Courtesy. And the thing that's, you know, I have such a random story, right? You know, one of the things that people don't know is um, I went on two missionary trips when I was in college to Mexico. Um, and one, I helped build churches. And another one, I played soccer in prisons with the soccer team. And, you know, those are good. You know, so I have a heart for this. You know, I have a lot of tattoos. I have one that says live to serve. I do. Um, and the one thing I've always been really fascinated about is reconciliation. Like, like saying what you, I grew up around black women, like deep, like all over my tree, like saying what you say and what you, you know, that's like standard, like, duh, you know? Um, but I never felt like, you know, in my other sort of walks of life, if you will, that there was ever any sort of like, reconciliation like what happened you guys just said what you had to say and you guys went away and the movie accidental courtesy daryl davis is about just a jazz musician who befriends members of white supremacy groups and he befriends them in a way in which they renounce their 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 gear their garb their robes right and it's it's fascinating, no matter where you fall in sort of the spectrum of, of of that, because I've heard it all. I really have. Some people have said, oh, you know, Alan, like he's a sellout. I've heard people say, you know, he's the best thing ever. I've heard all the things that you sort of hear, whatever, in the spectrum of things. You know what I mean? And yeah. I just think at the end of the day, no matter where you fall, some of the attributes he's showing are undeniable. Courage. Or there's some scenes in which he's sitting across from people that you're just like, oh my gosh, of course. But I love the whole idea of trying to find a pathway where, you know, I don't, it's not conversion, you know, and Daryl's whole thing was like, how can you hate me if you don't know me? And he, you know, he's somewhat controversial for sure. But the real thing about Daryl is my man is a legit jazz pianist and musician. And when I talk about legit, I'm talking about like, I play with Fast Domino, I played with Little Richard, like my man can play like the boogie oogie, whatever. Like, I know I'm probably butchering it, but like he got real hands. Mm-hmm. I seen him just, I seen him just walk into a lobby and, you know, op- you know play, sit down on a piano. And then like, you look around, you're like, wow, like my man just got this whole place like on a vibe, just playing some stuff. So He's just an interesting character. Um, the Ornstein brothers, Matt and Noah, you know, they have an interesting lens for things. They always kind of have interesting projects. So that was a lot of fun. And then, you know, I had never been to Austin before. Oh. Facts. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay, you What's know. Going on out here? It, it was, it was, and it kind of got me, it got me off guard. It caught me off guard to be real. I was like, yeah. okay, you know, I didn't have any ideas. So being a part of that film festival was a really cool experience because I'd never, I'd never gone to a film festival before and then be, you know, part of a film that's in it and then the access and then just how 
people watch movies facts like yeah. people love movies people can watch like three four five movies in a row like i can't do that so you know that was a fun project for sure and something that i i, I think about you know is there going to be another sort of chapter in this act in which i sort of try to help i'd much rather help people like yourselves you know what i mean get to where you want to do in the production space than sort of uh sort of dip back into sort of any significant producer role where you're really, really taking every meeting and every lunch and every dinner. (laughs) (laughs) You know, for sure, for sure. So uh, switching, switching gears a little bit. um, Obviously, you know, you you mentioned some of the stuff you do from a mentorship, you know, advocate hero standpoint. Uh, Can you talk about your work with the power five sports programs and us soccer Uh, from those issues of like mental conditioning and personal development. I know we've talked offline about how, how important that is, you know, for not only the youth, but, you know, as they build out their careers, like a lot of pressure. Um, So what is it like with mental conditioning and just personal development? Yeah. And kind of tell us like what that is. Like for some people people who may not know, like what mental conditioning is. Yeah. That's a great point. That is L that is, you know, so I grew up with it. So I'm like, I kind of like downplay. It's like, oh, that's what it is. But yeah, thanks, Al, for that. Yeah, you know, it is. You know, so I would, you know, and I, you know, I should have the most lockdown sort of denotation of it, right? Of what it means specifically. But what it really is in terms of getting your arms around it and sort of being um, sort of instantly fluent in it is conditioning your brain and your mindset is a real thing. And how do you do that? And why do you do that? You build your muscles and all that stuff for a reason. You get fit to run for 90. So it's the same mentality. It's not a different application. It's how do I, how do I come back from an own goal? Right? What do I do? Um, um, what do I, how do I press the reset button? What am I going to do to get into a flow? What if I'm a super sub? You know, what am I going to do to get into a game? A game's been going 100 miles an hour. Like, how do I jump into it? Um, you know, how do I, you know, how do I become a good teammate? And I just think those are real things. And, you know, you know, working with Texas a and Florida State football, Alabama football, Michigan, you know, it's a very specific skill set. It's very specific. And I mean, and it's vertical, right? The strength and conditioning coach, right? All the way up to the head coach. It's what you're about. You know, um, if you want to play up tempo, for example, at a power five football school, guess what you do in the building? You walk fast, right? That's, that's how granular they get with it. Like make sure your actions are lining up with how you need to be. Um, and what I've learned is that it is a separator, as you know, right? The Kobe mentality. Um, but even like, I, I was joking with a team the other day that I've been working with. Um, no one talks about Messi or Ronaldo's world-class recovery skills. I don't know how they recover. between like, Especially Messi. Like, I, right? Like, how is that not a thing? Like, uh-huh. I feel like there should be as much YouTube stuff out there and maybe I'm in the weeds too much. And my poor kids are like, oh my gosh, you're talking about this again. Like, but how is he able every four days to bring it? Every four days, every four days, every four days, what you need? You need a goal, you need two goals, and I'd be better. You know, how can I, how can I be fit for 90 mentally? How can I be um, and I learned this, I got really lucky. So one of my graduate school classmates is a guy named Chad Bowling. 
Um, he's director of mental conditioning, sports performance for the Yankees. Our other good friend is Trevor Moad. Trevor, yeah, he was the one that taught me back Moad in residency. Was down in um, no space. right now and what i like right now one of the big in vogue thing i shouldn't say in vogue but it's being neutral right how are you not positive or negative like how are you neutral you know so you know being around those programs i learned a lot but i also specifically was delivering effective communication skills how do you effectively communicate not just adding the question into the answer but how do you resolve conflict you know how do you communicate in the quarterback room you know how do you navigate you know any sort of conversation so it's a lot of fun being a part of those programs and thankful for that exposure because you really get to see again like how important it is i, I love student athletes like if you ask me my favorite population like man i'm a sucker for that college student athlete i just love it like i just i think the ones that embrace it are just they're about that life and, and I just love to, to see how they're able to shine and what they're able to do. So, you know, those are the things that I did. And on the U.S. soccer side, it was really important for Jurgen to, to sort of fill the gaps um, as he was building it out. And I think it was modeling the behavior that that Jurgen wanted to see for sure. And I hopefully, you know, um, I mean, Gooch and B still talk to me. So I couldn't have been that bad. Same with Eddie and Josie. So at least, I, at least if they hated me, I think they would have ghosted me a long time ago. So at least yeah. uh, I, I earned their trust, right, in some sort of way, um, sort of tongue in cheek. But you know, there was just about like how do you communicate like style and how do you communicate? It was more on the project side, actually. You know what? You know what can you educate about the players about the country they're going to? You know, what mindset stuff do they really want to hear? When we brought in a lot of different people, Jurgen was curious. And not all of them worked. I'll be honest. Not every session I had with the team worked. Um, I remember having a really candid conversation with Clint. I love Clint Dempsey, man. Like, just, I love Clint. And Clint one time was like, you know, I'm old, right? <laughs> and, and it was, but it was like respect, though. He was more like, I like what you're saying. And I, and I, and not like I'm being dismissive or anything. It was just like, you know, I appreciate what you're saying. I'm just, you know, I'm a little bit older now. Yeah. And it just made me realize that like, I've been, I've been through know, the trenches, you know? Yeah. Oh, more so than even I had. Right. You know, at that level, it wasn't like I'd been on a bunch of different national team staffs before yeah. and been through qualifying and stuff. But, you know, Clint's someone, I think I earned his respect too. Um, because I think at the end of the day, it's like, do you bring value to the setup? Um, I got to do everything. I got to help plan. I got to help Martin Vasquez find training spots. I got to set up the training field. You know, I got to go on cool dinners. I had to make sure we knew where the espresso spots were for the coaches, you know, and, uh, you know, it better not be late for the coach's bus either. You get left for sure. You know? Um, so I, I learned heard, a lot of great lessons. Yeah. You know, you get left for sure. If you're not there when it's time to go. And if the coach decides they want to go 15 minutes earlier than the 15 minutes they set, <laughs> so but you know what, what i think it's just a lot like parenting you got to be about it you got to model the behavior you want you know you want your kids yeah. to be clean and organized you got to be clean and organized um and i've learned this you know i've had you know as a moby knows l you know and i think important is kind of like just put it out there for what it is is you know i definitely have had 
all the conversations you can have, you know, sort of this cycle in terms of hiring and front office positions. And, you know, the failure part is difficult. But if I'm going to be about being resilient and perseverance, you know, perse- persistent and, and having and showing perseverance, then I have to be about it myself. And I just rely on my faith and spirituality. What's, what's meant for me will be. Um, and I just have to stay focused. And as earlier mentioning about being patient, it's out there, you know, um, I know what I bring to the table. And right now I've never been more motivated to get back into the game and be back on that roller coaster. You know, I, I, I didn't miss it for a while. Right. I like yeah. nine to five. I never had a nine to five really before really like I was like, okay. I mean, yeah, you weekend, you, whatever you do, but I was like, Hey, this is what people do on Saturdays. Okay. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is cool. Like I'm at the game with all my kids and all this stuff, you know, as opposed to like gobbling up a random Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. So, you know, I, I definitely think I'm at that space in my life where, you know, some organization is going to get someone who's really focused in and has the bandwidth to do it. But, you know, the mental conditioning, it, it's about, it's about just believing in people, you know, and, and it's intentional. It's really, really intentional. So, um, but you know, it's one of the things that I'm passionate about, but it's also one of the things that honestly, Ellen and Moby, like being a good person is a really, really good place to start. Yeah. It is a really good place to start. And I would just tell anyone like, that's what it's about. And if you have a heart for others, give and live for others and it'll all come back to you. It will. No, that's important that you said that because mental conditioning is really important, you know, not just from the player standpoint, but just in a, from a general concept. You mentioned your role with, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann, and obviously you talked about fans. They can only see from the outside. And Jurgen mm. introduced a lot of different things that mm. down the road, people people realize, like, this was helpful. You see the national team now, um, things that we were talking about, well, we don't need players playing at the highest level. We have a whole squad full of Champions League players. Can you talk about, mm. you know, his s- strategy almost or kind of give like a, a case of why – Jurgen was good for the U.S. soccer system. Wow, that's a very good question. And hey, you don't have, have to put two two cents sports on on the map. You, you, you know, well, like, look here. Here's what I would say is, and, and and to and I think to put a bow on what we we're talking about, sort of diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? Um, that staff that Jurgen put together was one of the most diverse staffs I've ever seen in this country, like a full-time woman nutritionist on the staff, myself on the staff, Um, Masa Sakiana, Japanese on the staff, with Andy Herzog, Austrian on the staff, Chris Woods, Englishman on the staff, Um, Jeremy Hassler from Tennessee, like balls deep, crazy, I don't even know what color that is, orange on the (laughs) staff. And, And we traveled, the world together. Like that was our band. And you, 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 there's a picture and I just like, it, it meant something. And Jurgen never saw color. He just didn't because, and I'm not saying other people do, but there's never been a staff like it since or before then. So that's a legacy. I don't think people talk about that. I'm really thankful for because I met some lifelong friends we won a lot. Like that also helps like fat, you know, I think it yeah. was 13 on the, on the spin, right? Like, like some real good W's, some really good results. So, you know, it's, it makes travel easier. Right. And 
Jurgen was always gracious about access. I learned a lot from him in terms of being where I needed to be, respecting the sort of team boundaries, if you will. Like, I think the locker room is sacred. I do. I, I, I do. I think as a front office person and a person on the staff, if you're not really doing triage, you know, yeah. if you're not, not, not fueling for performance, I don't think you need to be there. Um, and I learned that boundary. I respect that boundary. I do. I think that's something that in my next endeavor, I'll totally, like, I think there's a place you need to be. Um, you need to be present at training, but not necessarily every training. You need to have a rhythm and a routine to things like that. So, um, on the player side, like, let's, 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 let's be honest. Let's distill it down. What was Jurgen asking for the next level? What's your next level? If you're at level B, can you get to level A? Your level A can get to level A plus. And ultimately, that's what he did is he challenged those players during the pool to get to your other level. He really did. Um, and I, I, I think that's the bit of the legacy, you know. Yeah. Um, but I also would say, you know, look, I recently reconnected with Greg Berhalter, you know, um, and I think this is important. Like, you know, a lot of people are more than willing to post up a black square on social media, right? And say that's supportive. But I really do think Greg Berhalter is genuine and authentic. I do. And I appreciate what he's doing. And I appreciate his mindfulness for this unbelievable young crop of not only young black players doing it, right? Yeah. In Europe. So we're talking about Jurgen, but just all these young guys. And I think Greg has sort of embodied that again about be as good as you can be where you're at. Like, don't be content just because it's comfortable. And yeah. I, I think that's one of the things that Jurgen was about. Like, he really was about it. He was genuine. Um, and people, you know, used to make jokes about, oh, your boss wants to fly helicopters. Your boss wants to learn these languages. Your boss wants to do this. It's like he wants to better himself at every opportunity, you know? And dude was fit still, like, like those I coaches heard, runs. Still used, still used to play hey, those Amobi, but those coaches runs, bro. Y'all was doing, like, y'all was doing the uh, the empty stomach man, runs. Man, man, the empty stomach runs. But you know, yeah. staff went one way, players went the other way. Man, you know, you got to keep up with coach. I was like, Jurgen <laughs> out here, like, I'm like, I mean, he, he, was, he just think he was, man. he was that guy when he used to play, so. Man, he was. He was, man. He, hey, Jurgen played. <laughs> I sent him a video real quick um, recently. You remember the old back pass rule? Mm-hmm. You know, the old – man, they were playing against Denmark, I think, in the Euros. Uh, I don't know if it was the final or not, but they, Schmeichel must have had 80 back passes. And the only person I saw pressuring for Germany the whole night was Jurgen. And I was like – respect dude you got an extra like eight kilometers just making him pick up the ball you know so um but you know that you know the thing about being a part of that is being an army brat to bring it full circle man i just appreciated the red white and blue you know like one of the coolest memories i have is at uh sporting case in their stadium man they had it decked out one time like Independence Day, crazy bunting everywhere. And I remember walking out of the tunnel, like just before kickoff, I'd never seen a sea 
a patriotism like that. And I think about those responses, those memories too, like it's important to represent the U.S. and understand what that's like. And that's something that Jurgen, as a non-U.S. person, although his family, his wife is, is, is American, his kid is American, he had a lot of respect for the American flag. I mean, and he wants to embody that. So um, look, every national team coach's tenure, um, as I learned, better than the end and i was just thankful for them because it, the end is always really awkward, always really hard and oftentimes you don't get to say how it goes that's for sure no i that's appreciate sure. you giving that insight because a lot of people obviously from the outside looking in and then you know there from my standpoint i thought there was like a, a kind of a media uh ganging up on because they didn't like his methods but he did definitely challenge the guys uh, he definitely brought people in. He definitely gave us a new way of thinking um, and making us think like, you know, it doesn't matter if we're Americans, you know, we should tr strive to be the best of, you know, where we can go. And that's no disrespect to MLS or, you know, USL. And he called yeah. Jordan Morris when he was in college. So I thought that was really important. And then you're yeah. starting to see the fruits of his labor now, um, eh, you know. And you should have seen Jordan Morris in that camp. You should have seen Jordan mm -hmm. Morris in that camp. Facts. Like, Jordan Morris was beasting in that camp. Like he was, that's he was unplayable that, a little bit. Like, no, like that's a real, you know, so I give him credit for that. And Jurgen just, he was, his energy, he was about that recruitment, man. You know, he was. Yeah. And it'd be really interesting, you know, the real interesting thing actually to do a real proper postmortem is to ask those guys now how they feel. Because they now have the wisdom, the gray hairs, the, the maturity, the oak, the oak, the rings around the oak tree to have a different perspective. I'd be interesting to see how they felt then to how they feel now. Um, and you know, sounds like I think a national team sports dark. Yeah, it does. You know, I mean, look honestly, because you know, Greg Berhalter, you know, said this the other day in his press conference is like, he's now understanding it is what it is. Yeah. In that job, I think being any national team coach is difficult. Think about it. Yeah. You're bringing a new group of people. Even if you have your core, every camp you have to because you every have to camp look, yeah. Or players are injured too. Coaches. That's yeah, that's too much stress for me. Oh man, I, I, as I've gotten older, man, I, that's why I tell the coaches I work with. I'm like, dude, are you running? Are you eating right? Like, you got to take care of your stress. Like, I'm not trying to be that that guy, but I'm also like, man, yeah. these games are hard to win. I think these games are so hard to win, man. Like, I, yeah. you know, I don't know why I want to be about it. I, that's why I get so nervous for my kids. You know, my like, man, three points. That's why it's three points. It's hard, man. Yeah. It's difficult. Give me a lot to people for sure. For sure. But uh, before we move on to the next, like next segment, you definitely want to touch on, you know, you talked about, you know, your upbringing, you talked about, you know, diversity and inclusion, talked about, you know, everything as it pertains to, you know, being um, black in America and then in the soccer landscape, obviously growing up as an army, uh, army brat, um, and then obviously with this racial divide that we're going through, can you talk about that dynamic? And then obviously what you're doing with SCORE and the work that they do to kind of combat um, everything that's going on in the, in, the, in the community, in the landscape that we're going through right now. You know what I've been telling people um, close to me and even just in this whole sort of spot is back my whole life, it's never been more important five or six years. Like, it just is so important to me now. Like, and it just sort of crept up on me. 
part of it, you know, having your father pass away, you sort of start to see your legacy differently, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, and he grew up in a really charged racial climate, you know, I mean, you know, I recently told the class I spoke in, you know, it was right after, it was the day after George Floyd verdict actually at class. So everyone wanted to ask how's a black, <laughs> the black professor feel about, you know, George Floyd, the, the Derek, excuse me, the Derek Chauvin trial verdict. Excuse me. I misspoke there. George Floyd was not on trial. The Derek yeah. Chauvin trial. And, um, I, I realize I'm more acutely aware of like my blackness in so many different ways. And one of the things that happened to me was my mom sent me a text. My mom was born on a plantation, Wildwood Plantation in rural Mississippi. Like it's not that long ago, right? Like my grandmother is, you know, my mother's five of 15 kids in a sharecropper home. You know, my father almost was killed by a, clan sheriff in Leland, Mississippi. And I, my parents pushed me so far, trust me, um, Montecito in Santa Barbara, California is so far removed from Greenville in Leland, Mississippi. But that was my parents' mechanism. That was what they wanted for me. We're gonna get them as far away as possible, right? And what it did was sort of remove me from a lot of, of what I was seeing and feeling, you know, and I just kind of got to accept the microaggressions and things like that, that we just sort of assume as daily life. But, you know, um, score was amazing because Eddie Pope and I talk a lot. Eddie was like, you know, I've been talking to Dante Washington a lot. Dante's like, well, I've been talking to Ali Curtis a lot. Uh, it was part of the formation in the beginning. And then we start having all these concentric circle conversations. Oh, Evan Whitfield was talking to Tony Santa and we just all decided to get together and just start talking. And it was really just about fellowship and community, honestly, like, and it was great. And because we had all these islands of success, everyone's been really successful in their own islands. Kobe Jones, Rob Smith. I met Daniel Slayton's part of the team. Now Kim Crabb. I didn't know this. And this is real truth. So I didn't know Kim Crabb was the first black woman to ever play for the U.S. women's national team, U.S. women's national team. Gooch knows her and was like, hey, you know, we should have her part of the group. And she's fantastic. She's like everyone's favorite aunt at the cookout for facts. Like you want her <laughs> around. And she was the first. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm just so thankful for that group. And there's a lot of different spaces that people can play in. Right. But the space I've chosen for the work I'm doing inside SCORE is representation. I really want to see us become, um, uh, to see us more on the benches, to see us more as director of operations for Division I soccer programs, um, to see us more in the pipeline, scouting, uh, recruiting, academy. And um, I think it's coming. I do. So I'm really passionate about that work. And the first step is communication and awareness. And, and, and hopefully there's some motivation and inspiration because the one thing I said is it's really disheartening to hear about an opportunity in a press release. And that was happening a lot. And, and um, I'm just thankful for the group, man, more than anything. And uh, we're supporting the black players for change. You know, Justin Morrow is just a real one. Um, that entire group there, uh, I just grown to appreciate. And we talk often or collaborating a lot on projects and they're really focused on the social justice issues, right? And then if we're coming alongside, focus on representation, 
then I think between the two of us, right? Like there's starting to some things that can happen along the way. But the main thing right now is it's just a really good collection of people um, who been there and did that. Like Gooch and Bees, I mean, Caps on Caps, Eddie Pope. So, you know, part of me is also like, you know, I grew up covering these guys, right? But a part of me is also like, you know, I wanted to be Eddie Pope, but I'm, you know, five, eight on a good day. <laughs> no, but tell, you us, know? tell us what tell us what score stands for. Yeah, so that's a great question. So I should I should have that in my messaging for sure. So it's a soccer collective on racial equity, and um, you know what we're hopeful is that. And I should give a shout out to Major League Soccer, who's included us in a lot of the backroom conversations right now. Um, the league hired a new DEI chief officer, Shola Winley. Um, but, you know, someone asked me the other day, like, what's the league really doing? What are they doing? And I'm like, and, and I was like, I'm not going to be defensive, but I'm going to tell you, I've never seen so many talented black executives in the league before. That's facts. I, I mean, it's, it's so awesome. Dr. Jamil Northcutt, Chidozi, Tunde. Um, I mentioned Shola, like, like I'm like Taylor Wells, Marbury, like there's so many good people. I'm like, oh, okay. And that's the modeling. Yeah. If, 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 so think about it. If the league is going to have the clubs increase their equity, right? We just recently then saw it with uh, Darius they, Barnes. They sh- that's right. They should do the same thing. And I'm happy for Darius is in Charlotte now. Yeah. You know? And we're going to have and, him on the and, show soon. That's right. And, and he, he's a great example. And he's someone that I know the league is going to use because – the old school narrative is, and I think it's important, new school is like you have to lift as you climb. As Darius climbs, he's got to lift others. Or the more, um, as the kids say, send the elevator back down for me. You know, and I think that's another thing. Um, understanding everyone's situation is different. It's hard. I have so much empathy. Uh, I did this workshop uh, beginning of the year at Morehouse, Morehouse College, did this social impact workshop through the NFL. Man, I, I went in thinking one way and I came out the other and, and it was so inf- informative and so meaningful. And one of the things that I learned is that you can't eat the whole apple, right? You got to take bites at it. And it's also understanding where people's situations are. And so many people are isolated in these roles of, of, of decision-making. And, and I have a lot more empathy toward that. I just want to be a part of it. So we get together every Thursday, this group, and, um, you know, it's part like catching up and giving Daniel Slayton some love because Santa Clara won like today, um, talking about what we're going to do for, um, you know, coming up for the all-star game in LA, um, talking about the initiatives and programming that we're a part of. And then we're still trying to find our way. That's the cool thing. But, you know, the pandemic, you know, like, as you know, like there's so many great organizations that started in bad times. Right. And mm-hmm. Without the pandemic, we wouldn't have ever gotten together. And I, I've strengthened relationships that I will retain. And there's new ones I had that I'm looking forward to to growing through the years. And you know, I, I can't wait to the day where, um, you know, like I'm so excited in Colorado, right? Waldy, who I've gotten to know a lot over the last you know couple of years, and Robin Frazier, like that's a cool like those guys are on staff together. And then what's going to be next? Like, there's going to be a team that's going to have a black GM, a black head coach, 
and a black <laughs> top assistant. Like it's going to happen one day. It is. It is. And I can't wait for that time. The Miami Dolphins, I believe, are the uh, the only team, I believe, in the NFL right now that have that combination. But there's going to be others. Um, I look at other leagues. I look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what they did. I look at their staff. But then it's also about your experience. And then when you start mm-hmm. to understand Bruce Arians, not to get off on the off ramp, and you're like, oh, well, he roomed with the first black football player, Virginia Tech. And um, he's tight with the Barbers. Like he babysat for Tiki and Ronde Barber. Like, so you go, oh, so my man had a heart for this work. And then he realized when he got to where he was, if he wasn't going to see, you know, opportunity as, 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 as something that was elusive to other people. And um, I think the best is ahead. I'm excited about the work we're doing. It's slow at times, but that's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you don't get to control every player's health when you're calling in a, a, a player for a national team. Um, if you're going to operate outside of a cycle, like the U.S. team is right now, every club doesn't have to release everyone. You know what I'm saying? Like just bringing it into sort of a soccer way. So I, I think of it the same way. And um, I think there's never been more of an emphasis on opening the pool of people. And I'm happy to be a part of it, man. I'm just happy to be a part of it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's all about giving back and doing real stuff. If you're not doing real stuff at this point, you know, you know, like that's something everyone's got to kind of live with. And, you know, I'm kind of haunted by the legacy stuff every morning. (laughs) Is there, is there any, uh, is there any way people could support, like if they want to like learn more, I know we're going to have that in the show notes, but just right off the bat. Yeah, no, that's, I appreciate that. You know, what they could do is simply what we set up is really, um, I (laughs) my life is so much like a soccer sort of uh, quote book, but you know, uh, play the way you're facing. You know what I mean? That's very much the way we kind of operate. And so it's very simple. Um, you can go to score-na.com. Um, and I appreciate you guys including the score notes uh, in the notes as well. And then just send an email. We get all the email. Um, we, we actually go through the inbox. And then people are reaching out to us, looking for connections, looking for opportunities um, and things like that. And uh, we're going to be sort of rolling out a um, – uh, a much more sort of LinkedIn version of that, which I'm excited about. Um, as you know, I've been really passionate about um, communicating to our group and our community, and we're going to have much more of a sort of live functioning LinkedIn where people can, in in the world we live in, right, upload their stuff, be a part of it, you know, be a part of the body of knowledge, you know, because I think the 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 black executive very much represents the culture of modernity. I do. Uh, I hear a lot of these execs talking about a modern club, a modern club. Well, I think about sort of the landscape and I'm really excited about um, some of the people I've met recently um, that are just talented, exciting people. And, you know, um, I'm always in a Moby's here about stuff, <laughs> you know, like for real, you know, I'm trying to get him to retire today. Cause I think he would like hire me, you know, uh, but nah, but it's, it's, it's important though, um, to really get back. And the other thing I'll say real quick is I'm starting to see like really cool little offshoots is people inside the network are starting to communicate to each other mm-hmm. and, and people who are, have opportunities things like that are doing that and i'm like this is cool like we got our own sort of thing going right now where people are because the next stage is supporting each other 
I was part of a black NFL coaches Zoom call this summer. It's like 700 coaches. It wasn't even Zoom calls on one of those crazy platforms, right? Um, but it's all these coaches like in the league. I was like, wow, I had no idea in and around the league currently, recently, but it's just an organic group and they sort of just support each other. And I'm like, I didn't even know like, you know, where it is. And, and eventually I, I do want to have that sort of, um, if you will, sort of body of knowledge, right? Our own scouts, our own coaches, where we kind of have our own sidebars where we're trying to, you know, we fight, if I'm playing a Moby's team on a Wednesday, I'm trying to beat him. But if he calls me up on Thursday about something else we've been talking about, like maybe his staff or something else, like we're good just on game day, maybe not so much, but you know, otherwise, you know, but like, that's the boundary. That's what I've learned though. Yeah. There's so many of these coaches. Like I, I thought all these college football coaches like hate each other. Come on, man. Some of these guys have the same agent, like, come on, like facts. Huh. So they fish together. They go trips together. Now on game day, you wouldn't know it, but that's what it is. And that's right. why I started to understand. I'm like, Oh, these dudes, like, it's, it's of course it's like playing your friend. Like you think about that sometimes, like what it's like playing your friend, but it's the same sort of like mentality, right? Like how can we, how can we better, you know, each other? And I wouldn't want, I tell people this all the time, never take criticism from anyone you wouldn't take advice from. Never take criticism from anyone you wouldn't take advice from. And that is when you're at that circle at that table, as you know, I'm saying fellas, like, you know what that's like. Like you may be going against that person, but everyone respects each other. You know, mm-hmm. it goes back to my, I was just fascinated with like mob movies in college. Uh, <laughs> I used to I'm watch big, all those I'm movies. Big, I'm a big man, really? Guy. Okay. When yeah. we got to have, okay. So we're going to have another off thread conversation, yeah. man, on some deep. Yeah. So I used to always like take notes on that and try to run our little college team yeah. like that, you know, a lot, a like lot, a bunch a of guys. Oh man, <laughs> we move into the back table of the dining commons right now. You know, <laughs> this is before phones though. It's yeah. easy back then. Now, now these cats on the phones, you know, so for sure. <laughs> so, you know, I uh, appreciate it. Oh, uh, what you got? I know we're going to switch it up real quick. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and jump into one of our favorite segments of the show. Uh, no card, yellow card, red card. So this is a rapid fire segment of the show where I'll read off some news topics. It could be sports related, it could be pop culture related. Whatever. I'm ready for this part, man. This is the part. This is the this is the fanboy part, man. Like you don't even got. You tell them for the do your thing for the podcast, but I just want you to know, like I already am ready to go. All right, cool. My, my boy is a loyal loyal watcher, loyal. Listener. Yes, very much um, so. So for those who aren't familiar, uh, the rules of the game go. Um, no card is I agree with the topic. Uh, yellow card is I can go either way. Red card is I disagree. Um, and then you'll give an explanation of why we gave um, each card or gave your card for that uh, specific topic. So let's jump right into it. So no card, yellow card, red card. So a parody account today called Indy Kalia tweeted out that Chelsea has submitted a transfer package to Spurs exchanging Timo Werner Tammy Abraham and 10 million for Harry Kane. So this is obviously fake, but what car would you give this deal as a Chelsea supporter? A Moby. If it Okay. I'm giving that a red car. We do not want <laughs> Harry Kane on our squad. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm gonna give Timo another year. He had a good year if you think about it. 
Obviously, it's not like. Oh, if you think about it, okay, what am I not thinking about? Real quick, what am I not thinking about? L, tell me. I'm willing to own where my team is in the standings. L, are you? I know you are too. I'm willing to call out my table position. All, all things. I know considered. my fellow gunner is too. But what about you? Now you got okay, Timo. Apologies. Go ahead, homie. I want to hear it. All things considered, um, <laughs> he definitely could have had a better season. But it's still, you know, his first year in. So we're going, we're going to let it slide a little bit. You know, he's getting used to – he had Lampard for the first half. You know, Tuchel's giving him the confidence. So, I would rather see it, you know, play its course for another season than Harry Kane. You know, he's a little bit older. He – nah, I'm not – I'm not – nah. I like, I like Timo Werner. Would you rather have Giroud or Kane? Ooh. Kane's not going to be coming off the bench, though, if you have Kane, you know. I would rather have – I'm I'm fine where we're at now. We're Werner and Giroud. But I mean, if we could get Kane and not get rid of Werner, all right, cool. But I don't think that's going to happen. I, I'm going to give it a red card too, but only because I think Werner's going to get right this summer with Germany. Yeah, I exactly. think he's going to get right. I did, did like this is how I would be thinking about if it was my team. I'd like to see him get right this summer. And I might just be calling Franz and whomever else is in charge and Yogi and just stressing them about taking care of my boy, love him up. We're going to give him his 21 days when the tournament's over. But I think if he has an electric tournament, I think he brings that with him. Yeah. To, to, yeah. I do. I do along the way. Um, Kane got that ankle. Like, yeah. I need that medical crazy, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm going to, you know, like, I'm, I'm thinking with my executive hat, like, as if it's really my team. And, and I'm an Arsenal guy, as L knows. So, you know, like, I, I want you to do bad deals. But <laughs> I'm going to take the red card on this one for sure, though. Yeah. Yeah, I want Kane out of the Premier League. Like, dude is a thorn in our back in multiple <laughs> ways with his, you know, his questionable um, tactics his that he tactics, has. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next up, Kareem Benzema is back on the France squad for the Euros after being exiled for back for blackmailing a teammate. So what card are we giving the French Federation for bringing him back amid amid this ongoing investigation? Moby. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, I'll give it a yellow card, um, just because. Like, why now is an interesting point. It's not like he had, like, a crazy season. I was like, all right, we're going to uh, dismiss all the things that's been going on. He's been playing well. Uh, someone made a joke on Twitter. It's like they saw that France was in the group of death. So they're like, all right, we need, we need, to, we need to bring him back. But uh, all jokes aside, obviously, this whole uh, ongoing investigation, that I would have hoped that would have been cleared beforehand, or at least, like, they know something is going to, like a decision is going to be made before. Um, so maybe stuff that we don't know behind the scenes. And I know Alan can uh, attest to that being a broadcaster and knowing stories and not being able to leak it. And we, we're just waiting to see what happens on Twitter. Um, so I'm going to give it a yellow card. Okay. I'm going to say no card. I'm going to got no card. And I think it's been so long. And I think, you know, I'm trusting Deschamps here. I think he knows how to tweak this team. And that group is no joke. I think people need to go ahead and just check that group real quick. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know the Euros are expanded, but man, you, people talk about collusion in UEFA. I'm like, none of those federations got any juice. They all <laughs> ended up in the same group. So you might as well come up with another story. Um, 
But man, you know, it's interesting. You you said something that ma almost made me change my mind in terms of Benzema's season. But I just feel like he's just another tool, right? He's yeah. just another tool for him. And out of nowhere, all of a sudden, like, is he that guy? Maybe he's got more of an injury history on some guys. Maybe he knows. Like, maybe, you know, maybe he's like, hey, I can't play in Bappi like I did, you know, in Russia. You know, which basically like all the time. Maybe he knows like, hey, I need to... I'm going to need to bring him off, you know, a goal up, you know what I mean? To, to, yeah. to really manage him. And maybe Benzema's the guy. Um, I also wonder if Benzema's like well-liked. Yeah, he definitely like, is. Like, you, can see you know what I mean? You know, I don't know, but like, is the team, is the team thread like on fire? Like yeah. where people are like, yeah, like we really about to just, you and know. And may post. You can see you know what people I'm saying? like doing stories. And I think especially coming off a World Cup uh, victory, um, you need yeah. something to like yeah. re, re, reignite the group, you know? So I think from that standpoint, that's, that's your exec hat talking. I think, I think you made a good point about that. I think national team coaches are always doing that anyway. Like yeah. they just, you know, like what can I do to, cause that roster is pretty set. That's the thing about, yeah. you know, it's not like the U yeah, that roster speaks for itself. So for sure. They're so stacked. It's ridiculous, man. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to see Ben this next video now. Epic. <laughs> 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 All right, last one. Um, so the Houston oh. Dynamo recently, or they're in the process of selling um, the Dynamo. It's, it's the Dynamo and the Dash, right? Yeah, the whole the Dynamo Dash and, and the, the stadium with it. Man. Uh, for a total of $400 million to real estate developer Ted Siegel. So what card are we giving this deal? A movie. Uh, it was, someone made a great point. Shout out to my guy, Jordan Gardner. Uh, he said, interesting that they sold for 400 million when they haven't reported, like they make under 25 million in revenue. Um, uh, but Hey, it's good for MLS. Uh, good for the original owners. <laughs> um, I know me and Alan were talking offline. It's like, <laughs> yeah, how, can, how can we get in some of these, you know, some oh, of these flow? but I think it's good. I think, um, the the investors already involved in different sports across you know like i think he invested in like a like a different league not soccer related but he's mm. he seems like he's invested in sports and by the like word on the streets like the original owners weren't really they like they rebranded but they still weren't doing as much as they could have within the community and um you know just within the team you know houston is like they were one of the top franchises you know, when Dom Kinnear and Stu and Jeff and Brad Davis and Ching and Kofi Stay and all those guys. Finals. Stay yeah. going to finals, those guys. So how can they get back into that? And then how can they tap into the community too? Because Houston, a big Nigerian population, a big Latinx population, and they have not done anything regarding that. So hopefully this new ownership can, uh, can build that. So I know he can call up someone on this, uh, someone on this, on the show right now, you probably have a couple of ideas, but <laughs> you know, I mean, gosh, you know, I in some ways I want to be saying green card doesn't sound right because that's money, <laughs> that's bad, <laughs> like four hundred million. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that's a real number. And and uh, you're right, people who are really deep in the weeds and the Moby and I trying to get some sort of VC, some equity fund, finders fee somehow, some way, just falling into our lap, um, but. Credit to the league and whoever closing these deals are hard. 
Fuck. These term sheets are hard, man. Like, I don't think anyone has any idea of how That's the, how fir- that's the first thing I look for. Is. Like, who got the deal then? That's the first thing Me I look too. for. Me too. Me yeah. too. I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm fascinated by what it takes, what were the sticking points, what were the concessions, who did what on the due diligence. Um, it's. I think it's a, you know, it's a no card because someone's going to figure out Houston. Mm-hmm. And Moby said it perfectly. Uh, what fourth largest city? Fourth, yeah, top five for cricket. sure. Like it's all all the soccer community aspects. It's got uh, your African population, your your Latino population. You have your affluent suburban soccer population. I feel like between those three, you should be killing it. Um, and it's just it's just a different approach. And maybe this owner's got a different vision. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other factors that go into people's community, you know, how they feel about the team, but they got a cool little stadium. Um, they got a championship history. Um, and I think organizations are very much like our weight, like set point theory. Like you're always going to be around whatever your weight is. And if you're a championship organization, you will come back to your championship organization ways. You see it in big sports like the Lakers or the Celtics or, you know, or, or whatever these other organizations. It's sometimes the orbit is slower. Um, even UCLA basketball is a great example. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's eventually going to be right back in there. Uh, you know, I mean, no one knew they had to go the long way. But when they were in that game, when uh, Zhang hit that shot, you were like, of course, it's, it's the same. Like, yeah. it's, it's back. It's, it's embedded. So, it's embedded. It's embedded. So that's why I think it's so important, like these organizations, like build a real culture because it's, it's your legacy and, and, you, and it's, it's the stars or so you remember your championship legacy and the job of an organization at the top is to provide innovation that expands on the tradition of being a champion. And if you're not doing that, that's how you can be Alabama football. I've learned right you know that's how you you can win all the time and then when you have those setbacks you know specifically where the gap is in performance and you attack it you fix it and you move on like that's internal shop is so important to have point so when things go bad you know what it is that's why we do an mri oh it's only my knee oh thank god it's not the rest of my body you know what i mean like that's why we live in diagnostics but sometimes we get funny when it comes our teams especially our soccer teams sometimes like everything else takes hold our fandom um the pints whatever it is man just a frustration mid-table results it clouds our vision but it's no different than that though it really isn't for sure it'll be interesting to see what they do with it if they actually improve or if it's just a you know a quick money and investment real estate play. yeah definitely it's always a real estate play somewhere so we may <laughs> well, see some well that's the one thing that- the you know, stadium was a he's thing gonna, that he's gonna look for a way to. He's, yeah, the yeah, stadium was a part I was looking at the most. That's his product. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, real property. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Real property. Hey, James Harden got a nice little cash out though. Oh, he got bought out too. You think? Or he's well, they, they're buying the whole thing, right? So he's part of the, pre- the previous ownership group. Oh, that's true. You would think he got it. I mean, yeah. again, like I just need to see the you know, a movie, and I just need two minutes. To yeah. just look at the documents real quick. Someone give me a someone give me a GM spot. I'm making Alan my consig. Uh, how do you say it in, the mob, in mob terms? Consigulary. Yeah, you say I'm just that yeah. guy. You know, you're gonna be my. I'm you're just gonna be that my guy. Cons- like I'm just in the back room. 
That's right. That's right. I appreciate that for sure. For sure. Hey, might be some opportunities out there. You never know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, that's uh, that's it for this week for uh, No Car, Yellow Car, Red Car. Yo, Alan, thank you so much. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Oh, that's a great question. I appreciate that. Um, and uh, sorry, I was definitely sort of using the, uh, the the California sunset as my back here um, as I'm much more of a silhouette now. But, you know, online, you know, um, I'm definitely on Instagram, the father of three studs, just like it sounds. Uh, it's basically like my... Um, my photo album of my kids. I'm very proud of my kids, but I definitely um, make sure I'm staying connected there. Um, on Twitter, AEHOP Jr. for sure. Um, I'm, I'm there as well. And then, you know, people, they want to find me on LinkedIn. I'm not hard to reach out to as well. I'm about my network. You know, we're kind of only as good as our team sometimes in a, in a real way. Um, and um, people have been so good with me about their time. But that's why I try to make sure that I reciprocate that. So, um, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about following up. Um, and I know we're sort of wrapping our time is, um, you know, I aim to be that person who does answer your email, you know, and, yeah. you know, I, I'll, I'll carve out time because if I hadn't, if Siggy Schmidt didn't do that for me or Jurgen Klinsmann, you know, or anyone else or Doug Hamilton, like I wouldn't have had that stuff. So anyone listening that's in a position in which, they're too busy sometimes to respond to people that are reaching out and maybe they're very vague about how they're reaching out because they don't know how to be very specific because they're young or are immature in the business side. Like just take that moment. You know, I, I, I just think our community has got such a big heart, but we don't show it as much, you know? Um, and, and I, and I, I, I think about that all the time is like, you know, like I'm afraid of Columbus, like their fans, they make anything happen. Oh, you're taking our team? No, you're not. You're changing our no, no, you're not. So what if the crew decide like, oh, we're just gonna be like social warriors? Those will start making stuff happen in that community because they clearly are the most effective group of people. And and I don't say that as a, like a non-secular in a random way, it's just to say that, mm -hmm. you know, the, the last thing I want to say sort of is just like just give back, do something for someone else, man. Like it's important. Be a steward, be a mentor, be an advisor, uh, have a heart for other people. Because at the end, that's the stuff that makes us who we are. You know, like, and that's what we want to be. Like, we want to be a, a together community. And we only want to be fractured because of the people and teams we support. But not about how we feel about equity or inclusion or kneeling for um, our, our social impact or whatever it is. Like, we... U.S. soccer, our community is so small that we can be better. It's a very homogeneous group, even though we don't look alike. We all, if the three of us played a game right now, where we just named a person, you know, you do the game, you just name someone until someone can't name something. We could probably do an hour and a half of personalities in soccer and none of us would miss. Um, you could do it yourself and not miss. You know, but I'm saying like, it's like, I think we're all, we're all so connected. And that's my goal is that we continue to be connected on all these issues. And, um, you know, I'm just happy to do my little part, man. I was just going to say that, you know, I just appreciate you guys. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a fun time. We've definitely had a lot to talk about. I'm sure uh, the post-production is going to be a beast. My apologies. Let me send someone on the Grubhub. I got you on the late night edit. I know what that's like. You know, my bad. Uh, you know, I got you. I'm going to take care of you, man. Like, send me that Venmo. I got you on the Venmo. But, um, 
you know, look, I, I just appreciate what you guys are doing. It means something to me. Um, I'm happy for this platform and, um, you know, I'm just excited to, to be a part of this journey and, you know, we got some cool stuff to do together. Let's do it. You know, I'm always worth the, the time and, and, and happy to have a conversation about anything that can be some real, real cool stuff. So just thank you guys for being a part of it and, and, and hope some people enjoyed it and got a good sweat in if they're running, burns a couple extra calories. <laughs> It's beach season. It's yeah. beach season. You, see, you know, right to close it up. You said it was beach season, so we got to get right. Nah, but thank you once again, Alan. I know we're going to connect soon. Carson, if you're sure. listening to this, Carson, friend, friend and family of the show, your record has been broken. Two Cents SC show. We just broke the record for longest podcast. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Alan. A lot of gems. I'm definitely going to yeah. listen to this and run it back. Uh, sure. Elvis, you got? I mean, definitely going to definitely gonna tap in with you alan so we will be having conversations in the very near future within the week we'll be having another conversation ty i know you're listening to this everything he was saying about columbus let's tap in um but yeah that's that's our show for the week um subscribe rate and review helps us get discovered uh follow us on the socials at two cents fc um check out our merch at two cents sports.shop got some new stuff coming out very soon so stay tuned to that um, and also tweet us your comments on the show. What do you think about the conversation? Were there any questions you have for Alan? Um, you definitely have his socials, so tap in with him. Ask him those questions as well. Um, yeah, until next week, y'all. Peace out. Peace.